0: I'm excited about today. Wes has had us wound up because he's been teaching on, well, I guess he just started Wednesday night in our in-depth Bible study on worship, growing in worship. It was excellent, and we don't video out there, but you can go on the RCC website and, and the podcast and all of that, and you can find where Wes is teaching. It's called Growing in Worship. And listen to it because it is uh, it was a powerful lesson. And I try to remember when I come in to, to practice what I've been taught. And am I growing in my worship? And so you may not worship like I worship, but worship. Worship. There, there's something beautiful and there's something very powerful about what happens when we acknowledge God over our circumstances and situations in life. So we've we've been talking the last several weeks about the word covenant and we, 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 we titled it covenant's a strong word because I didn't know what else to call it. Covenant is a strong word and we've been working on changing our mindset of what covenant means. That it's that it's not just an agreement. We talked about this week one. We talked about the beauty of the word covenant. That it's, it's not just an agreement or a contract. We're not in contract with God. But, but covenant, we, we came down to the word, we are devoted to each other. God and I, me through Jesus Christ, right? We are devoted to each other. And so last week, we took it a step further. We, we mentioned blood covenant a little bit, that it, there was a blood covenant, and that's the kind of covenant we're in with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, that makes the word covenant even stronger. And when you, when you put the word blood on it, it makes it a whole lot more serious than writing your name on a dotted line, right? And, and we talked about Abraham and God and how covenant was such a strong word that what it meant was if I'm in covenant with you, let's say I'm in in covenant with Mr. Creekmore over here, and we're in a blood covenant together, that we are devoted to each other to the degree, even to the point of death. Anything that he needs that is mine is his, and anything that I need that is his is mine. And we compared this to the marriage covenant. Covenant. So Tammy and Mike have that. And if it comes to blood, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anything that's his is yours. And it, you, you're, it, you're devoted to each other. If he needs it, it's his. If you need it, it's yours. The beauty of the word covenant. We talked about Abraham giving his son. God asked, required. Abraham's son, his only son, as God called it, and then Abraham, mankind, could ask for God's son. It was a beautiful lesson, but today I want to talk about being covenant-minded. Does it matter? (laughs) Why are we studying this? Yes, it's great. It's beautiful. Uh, There's some great lessons. There's some great biblical accounts that you can read in here. They're very powerful. But does it make a difference in my life? And our goal today is to look at what it looks like to be covenant-minded and to look at what it looks like if you're not covenant-minded. And we're going to do all of that through the story or the account of a man's life named David. We're just going to go to two different accounts. We're going to do quite a bit of reading today. So get your Bibles out or your devices out and follow along with us in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now most of us are very familiar with the story of David and Goliath. I'm glad, glad the rest of you didn't say Bathsheba because that's a pretty popular one too. But David and Goliath. We grew up on uh, reading these biblical stories in our Bible story books uh, growing up. But we're going to look at it for the purpose of studying covenant today. 1 Samuel 17 verse 2. Saul and the Israelites are assembled and they're camped. They're, they're drawn up. For battle against the Philistines, and the Philistines occupied one hill, verse 3, and the Israelites another, and there was a valley between them. So we have the, the armies of the Philistines on one hill, and we have the Israelites on the other hill, and there is a battle fixing to happen in the middle. Now, Israel has a covenant with Almighty God. They are the children of Israel. Israel, he has a covenant cut with them, and it is a blood covenant, and the mark of that covenant is circumcision. Blood was shed every male. Eight days old and up, circumcision was taking place. Blood was shed, and it was their token of the covenant that they had with God. It was a powerful blood covenant. The Philistines were not. Who was from Gath. Came out of the Philistine camp. I have written in the notes of my Bible, and I enjoyed looking through my old Bible today. He was just a big thing that came out of a bunch of little things. And isn't that the way life is? Most of the time, those big things that you're trying to beat in your life just came out of a bunch of little things. Little things that we didn't stop while they were little. That's just a side lesson for today. He came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. I just find it interesting that something that big had to have a little shield bearer run around in front of him. Maybe he had a few insecurities we didn't know of. Verse 8 Goliath stood, hush, Bo. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of. Man, that hit me today. We got an identity problem. They were, he saw them as the servants of Saul. He didn't see them as the servants of God. Did they see themselves as the servants of Saul and not the servants of God? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, then we'll become your slaves. But if I overcome him and kill him, then you'll become our slaves and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day, I defy the ranks of Israel. Mm-mm. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now, there's something you got to know about Saul. Who's Saul in this picture? He's the king. When your king is terrified, you might be in trouble. Not only was Saul the king, he was head and shoulders above everybody else in the armies of Israel. He was a great warrior. He was marked as a great celebrated as a great warrior. And he and his armies are dismayed and terrified at the words Coming from this big thing. Now David was the youngest. Because he's fixing to enter the picture. We're going to skip a few verses. David's fixing to enter the picture. David was the youngest of Jesse's eight boys. His brothers were there to fight. But David kept, was going back and forth uh, between there and to keep the sheep. And you remember he would go play his instrument. And the evil spirits would leave Saul. You remember the story. Verse 16, it says, For forty days... The Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. The King James Version said that Goliath would come forth every morning and every evening and he would present himself. The threat, the fear would present itself. Forty days. You can go back and read, look forward, and it gets really interesting in Top and Shadow because Jesus, Satan... Tempted Jesus for 40 days right in the wilderness. But what I want us to see in this is that just because these were covenant people didn't mean that the enemy was not loud and proud. And that he did not approach them and present himself to them every morning when they got up and every evening in the dark time. Every day. They woke up to this. And they went to sleep to this. And it was loud. And I looked that word presented up. That he presented himself. And it means he, he offered them something. He took his stand and he offered them defeat. He offered them a challenge. Every day. And so, Jesse said to his son David, verse 17, I want you to take this roasted grain, these loaves of bread, and take along this cheese, and I want you to give it to the commander of the union. I want you to check on your brothers and come back and let me know how they're doing. Verse 19 says, And they are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley fighting against the Philistines. And early in the morning David left the flock with the shepherd, and he loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. And he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things. He walked down there. He started talking with them. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine, the champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, They all ran from him in great fear. Do do y'all get visuals? I mean, I like to imagine this. We're talking about Jody. This is the Marines. Well, the Marines, never mind. The Marines wouldn't have ran. I take that back. I got a Marine up here. (laughs) Be careful what I say. This was the Warriors. And and Goliath steps up to the front of the line and starts shouting stuff. And David's standing there, and the, all the soldiers are going that way. And the enemy's this way. He's young. But that didn't matter. Verse 25 Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He also will give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. I'm sorry, you had me at exempt. I'm going. I'm fine. (laughs) David asked the man, he said, Now what's going to be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God and just circle that word uncircumcised and know this right here David knows there is a difference he knows he has a covenant with God and he knows that big thing does not and it is, it is written for a reason that he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because circumcision was the sign of covenant. They repeated to him what would happen for the man who kills him. And the oldest brother heard him speaking, verse 28. And it, his older brother got jealous and it burned within him. And he said, Why have you come down here? And who's taking care of the sheep back home you ever known people like that I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is and you came down here just to watch the battle David said now what have I done can't I even speak I really like the King James version because in the King James version he says is there not a cause is this guy, this uncircumcised Philistine is up here defying God's people. He's got them running in fear. Is there not a cause for me to speak up? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What's going to happen to who kills this guy? What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. You know what I wrote up to the side of my notes has nothing to do with today, really. It's okay to know the benefits. It's okay to know the benefits of the covenant. We get get people mad at us all the time. Not all the time. Occasionally. Get mad at us because we know the benefits of the covenant. Because we know Your healing was provided in the covenant. And when the enemy says, This is going to kill you, or the enemy says, You're going to live with this the rest of your life, we're not going to turn and run. We're going to remind you of your covenant. And and when we say, God wants his people prosperous, that they're blessed to be a blessing that they're a reservoir for his goodness to be given out into the world and to minister to people, that makes people mad. We've had, we've had people leave this church because I've taught on prosperity, a prosperity uh, series once a year. I'm not going to turn and run. You know why? Because poverty hurts people. It holds them in slavery. It holds them in bondage. And we're here to set the captives free. And so don't, it's, it's okay to say what's the benefit. God addresses that in Malachi 3 when he's speaking about the tithe. Or he's, he's having them write about the tithe. And he says, look, you say, you say there's no benefit in serving God. He's hot about it. God's mad about it. Because they're saying there's no benefit in serving him. Look, you're in covenant with God. There is a benefit. Verse 32 David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. And he's talking to the king here. And Saul replied, You're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're just a boy. He's been fighting, he's been a fighting man since he was a youth. Always going to be somebody that says, Why you can't. But here's what you got to know David wasn't going there because he was a warrior. He was going to fight, I don't want to call him a giant, Goliath, because he was not covenant. And David was. David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I went after it, and I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized, its, I seized it by its hair. I struck it, and I killed it. And your servant has killed both lion and the bear, and this Uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. There's your difference. The Lord who delivered me, the Lord who delivered me, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. Go and the Lord be with you. Now skip down to verse 41. Y'all staying with me? Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. Oh, wait, aren't we supposed to resist the devil and he'll flee? David has stood up, he's going out there, he's going to be the one to fight this big thing that's in front of him. Goliath did not run. He kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and he saw that he was only a boy and ruddy and handsome and he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you are coming out here at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Listen, the enemy is always spouting out lies. What he's going to do to you and how this is going to go down and how this is going to end. Just know this, the devil is a liar and he is the father of lies. And if he's saying it, be assured it is not the truth. David, in turn, said to the Philistines, Y'all, that's a great lesson. Because when the enemy comes at you in your thoughts or through other people and feeds you lies that, do, that are not in your covenant, it's not in your covenant for your flesh to be given to the birds and the beasts of the field and be defeated by the enemy. That's not in your covenant. And so when those thoughts of what's going to happen in your marriage or what's going to happen to your children or what's going to happen in your health in old age start coming and, and spouting off at the mouth at you of how things are going to be, you have to answer it. And David did. David said, verse 45, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So it didn't really matter who David was. Well, I haven't been saved that long. I'm young in the Lord. You got the name. Well, I was a prostitute, or I was a drug addict, or I was, I've been in jail, or, I, or I, I can't read, or I'm not educated. or Are you covenant? Are you covenant? Have you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Have you, have you let him be the substitute? His blood shed for you in this blood covenant. Then you come. At these situations and circumstances. And you do it in the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter who you are. Who you were. It matters who you're in covenant with. Verse 46, he gets plainer. Because you remember Goliath had told him, this day I will feed. Mm -hmm. Well, verse 46, David says, this day. (laughs) That's faith. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. Today I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army. <laughs> David David doesn't know if the Israelite army is going to follow him into this or not. He doesn't care. I'll take out your whole army. This is, what, this is what the knowledge of covenant will do for you. It'll put the fight back in you. I'm going to give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves where the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer, what? Oh, but I've stood, I've made my confessions, I've said what the word says. And the enemy still moved closer. I've declared, Susan, I've done everything you've told me to do. And the enemy still moved closer. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Here's our trouble. When things don't look like we're getting them beat, And it looks like they're coming in closer. And it looks like there's more attack. We tend to start mouthing about quitting. Covenant says, if he moves closer, you run quickly toward him. You can't entertain the devil. You can't entertain attacks of the enemy. You can't entertain sickness and disease. You can't entertain... Trouble in your marriage, you can't entertain mental illness. When it threatens to attack you, you attack it. But you do it because you have a covenant with God. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And We always like to say he didn't have a sword in his hand, but he had a sword in his mouth. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the scabbard. He killed him, cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout, pursued the Philistines. <laughs> Look, your victory is not just your victory, it's contagious. It's contagious. We need to be fighting from the standpoint of covenant. Is this in my covenant? Is this from God? And if the answer is no, then man up on your covenant and attack it. Attack it. Don't, don't let life determine who you are let God's word determine who you are you can go to John 10 10 and you can find out really a great dividing line in the Bible the thief comes but for to steal to kill and to destroy but Jesus said I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly if it's stealing killing and destroying that's not God it's not who he is He's the giver of life. Jesus said, but if it's life and life more abundantly, then it's for me. Until you run at the situation covenant-minded, it's going to continue to come out every morning and every evening and taunt you and present itself. And that infuriates me when Christians live in fear. It infuriates me when I live in fear. It infuriates me when I'm intimidated by circumstances and situations. I believe that's why we're teaching this. We've got to be reminded we are in covenant with the Almighty God. Now after David's victory, we've we've talked about what it looks like to be covenant-minded and the victory that it brings. After this great victory, Saul gets jealous of David King Saul gets jealous of David because, I mean, the, the girls are all singing about David. You know what I mean? I mean, they're singing. I think, Wes, I think you mentioned this Wednesday night. You know, yeah, Saul's killed his, his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. Well, the king's starting to get a little jealous. He decides he's going to get rid of David. So he makes all kinds of attempts to kill him and, and to get rid of him. And Jonathan is King Saul's son. So we have David, the victorious champion, we have King Saul, and we have King Saul's son, Jonathan. Well, Jonathan and David become friends. And they become such close friends that they come into covenant with each other. Now, Jonathan's dad, King Saul, is trying to kill the man he's in covenant with. Covenant, listen to me, is a strong word. It's a strong word. You can read about it in chapter 18. And then he he decides he helps David, because he's in covenant with David. He helps David escape his own his own king dad. You can read about that in chapter 20. And so David and, and Jonathan meet up again and they reconfirm their covenant. And then it's determined that David needs to leave for his safety. Because David will not kill King Saul like he did Goliath. Do you know why? Because King Saul has a covenant with God. And David says, I will not touch God's anointed. In fact, he gets so close to him that he could kill him. He puts a spear through his shirt but he won't kill him because you don't you don't go after covenant even if, if if they're being ugly to you hmm that might be a good lesson sometime i might have needed this one that one this week a couple of times um <laughs> david has to leave he's going to let god exalt him And so in 1 Samuel 20, verse 42, Jonathan said this to David. He said, go in peace. And since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. So David and Jonathan have to split, but they have made a covenant together forever between their descendants. Covenant's a strong word. Eventually, Saul and his sons are killed, including Jonathan. That's in chapter 31. And then in Samuel and Second Samuel, we find David mourning their death. Even, he's even mourning Saul's death, who has been chasing him through caves and everywhere else, trying to kill him. He's mourning the loss of, of King Saul and Jonathan. Now, David is king, and what does a new king do when he sets up his throne? What does he do to all the descendants of the old king? Kills them. He kills them because you don't want your enemy's descendants rising back up and trying to take back over. But this king was covenant family, and so David's not going to do that. In 2 Samuel 9, let's pick up there. We're going to look at what it looks like if you don't know and understand covenant. 2 Samuel 9, verse 1, David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Zeba. Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said, Are you Ziba? And he said, Your servant. The king asked, Is there no one left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? That's covenant. He's not going to kill him. He's going to bless him because of his covenant with Jonathan. Ziba answered to the king, and he said, There is still a son of Jonathan. And he's crippled in both his feet. Now, this boy was five years old. uh, When an attack was on, when they heard that King Saul had been killed, uh, the the nurse is going to, the one that's taking care of the child is going to take him and hide him so that he's not killed because he's a a descendant of the king. And when she's either running with him or... In her arms are running with him. He falls and he's now crippled. And this is a child of Jonathan whom David who had covenant with. Yes, there's still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in both his feet. Where is he? He is at the house of Makar in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Makar, the son of Amiel, And when Mephibosheth, that's the the boy that's crippled, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He ba- he bowed down to pay him honor, and David said, oh, my, "My feeble chef, oh my feeble chef." And he said, "Your servant." So the boy said. Verse seven said, "Don't be afraid." David said to him, "For I." will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Whoo! There's so many types of shadows in here. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and he said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and to his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him, bring in the crops so that your master's grandson will be provided for, and Mephibosheth's grandson, and Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, and all these are going to work for Mephibosheth. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servants to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Hmm. That's what we're getting to do. We were the cripples. We were the ones hid out at Lodabar, afraid for our lives. Living in fear, living hidden, living unnoticed. And Jesus called for us. And he said, no, you're going to sit at my dad's table. You're going to eat at this table. And provision's going to be made for you. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Zeba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And he was crippled in both feet. And I find it interesting it keeps repeating that. Because I, I, I think sometimes we think about how we're hindered or what we're lacking in ability or in personality or in our Christian walk and we handicap ourselves. And he's going, no, let me repeat. This is your table. You will always eat at the king's table. Crippled feet, not crippled feet. It's not about who we are. It goes back to, I had a covenant with Jonathan. And for us, it goes back to I have a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. Crippled feet, not crippled feet. King's table provided for. Mephibosheth was living unnoticed, uncared for, in fear, always looking over his shoulder. Because he did not have a knowledge of the covenant between King David and Jonathan. We're talking covenant because I want you to have knowledge and I want me to have knowledge of the covenant that we have with Almighty God through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a forever covenant, and we get to sit at the King's table. A son, I'm telling you, covenant is a very strong word. So, what, what, how do we how do we live this out tomorrow? You know, when the thoughts are being presented in the morning, oh wait, we still have tonight to go. So y'all are going to go to bed tonight and thoughts are going to come about your body, about your marriage, about your finances, about your future, about your past. Recognize it for what it is. It's just a big nothing that came out of a bunch of little things. He's a big puff of air is all he was. A big puff of air. Because when it came down to it, David beat him with a rock. Don't miss that point. A slingshot. It didn't matter how big Goliath's sword was. It didn't matter how much the spearhead weighed. It didn't matter how many... Levels of cancer, what stage it is. Is it covenant or is it not covenant? And if it's not covenant and it's attacking you, don't just stand and take it. Run at it. Run at it. And be established. I'm not saying go do this today. But start studying covenant. Start looking at what it means, what it provides, and become confident. Look at the confidence of David. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. I took the sheep out of its mouth. Hey, me and my dog were out walking the other day and a coyote came out. I didn't run at it. Um, I needed this study. You know, and... I just think a lion, a bear, if it had one of my dad's sheep, I'd be like, Dad, that sheep gone. I'm sorry. (laughs) But no, this was a lesson. It was a life, a true life lesson. If you come after something of my father's, I'm coming at you. So if you get diagnosed with something or your marriage is under threat, I want to know. Because you are the father's sheep. And we're just not going to have it. You've got a whole body of believers right here. Most of which will stand toe to toe with you. And will remind you, we're not laying down to this. You've got to be able to take it from them. But if you want to win, we'll win with you. Your victory is our victory. We are the body of Christ. Amen. Amen.